told me to stop singing it. It was getting on her nerves. And I got it stuck in my head somehow, so I'll probably be singing it all day. Maybe you will be too. But we won't sing it today. But that's what the lesson is based on. Ezekiel chapter 37 is where our lesson comes from. Ezekiel 37. And we'll pretty well go through the, the whole chapter today. But here we look at, at Ezekiel, and, and this is probably one of the uh, most unbelievable, if there were unbelievable illustrations, this is something that we would never see in our lives. Something that Ezekiel, had it not been for God, he would never have seen any of this that he saw, but he did. And... Ezekiel 37, we find Ezekiel, he, he comes to, uh, to see this valley. A valley that is full of dead, dry bones. There, there were uh, valleys in, in which, as, as far as we understand from Scripture, where there would be battles, great battles. There would be a, a place that they couldn't necessarily bury the dead, so... They just pile them up, and and that's that's what exactly is happening here. Ezekiel is seeing uh, one of the, these places, and it's full of dead, dry bones. Whenever we think of of the location in which he is in, we think of of hopelessness, gloom, despair, dread. It's full of negativity. There's nothing there. There is no life. But God is going to cause Ezekiel to see something amazing, something miraculous, something far beyond anything that we read of in Scripture. Even when we think of, of Lazarus or Jesus being raised from the dead, it was only a matter of days uh, between their death and their being raised to life once again. But here we have no hope whatsoever. Just dead, dry bones. And hopefully we can learn from these dead, dry bones uh, a very important lesson about God. We begin in Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. Ezekiel 37, beginning with verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then He caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, as we, we stand in this valley with Ezekiel, Figuratively speaking, all we see is, is hopelessness, despair. Uh, there's nothing life-worthy here. Just a valley of, of dead, dry bones. 
no hope that there ever could or would be life in them any longer. As a matter of fact, the wording here, at least in the New King James Version, at the end of verse 2, it says very dry. They were very dry. Meaning that it had been a very long time since life had ever been in these bones. Ezekiel, surveying the scene before him, is asked by God, Son of man, can these bones live? And I want you to pay very close attention to his answer because there's, there's something very important in the way that he answers the question. At the end of verse 3, he says, O Lord God, you know. O Lord God, you know. I want you to notice that Ezekiel does not draw a conclusion one way or the other but leaves the answer to this question in the hands of the power of God. He doesn't say, well, these can live. He doesn't say, well, they can't live. He doesn't discount it even though he's never seen any evidence of bones being raised to life. But he doesn't rule out the power of God that God could raise them to life. Can these bones live? Oh Lord God, you know. He doesn't rely on the powerlessness of man because man could not breathe in, in, into being bones. It, it, man cannot take bones and make them live. Man has no power over really life or death. We can cause death, but we can't bring someone back to life. It is appointed unto man once to die. Man, uh, we may uh, take what was life and, and, and even uh, when we think of someone being resuscitated, we can bring life back to that individual in a certain matter of time. But beyond that, we cannot bring death to life once again. So man is powerless in reference to life and death. But Ezekiel doesn't rely on his own understanding as we often do. He understands that man has no power over these bones. Man can't bring them back to life. But he keeps an open mind when it comes to God. As we should as well. And he simply says, O oh Lord God, you know. God gives Ezekiel some instructions beginning with verse 4. And reading through verse 10. Verse 4 of Ezekiel 37. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Uh, there's detail given to this vision. These bones, uh, you, you can almost see the, the, the sinews, basically the muscles and the ligaments coming together uh, upon these bones and skin covering them. And in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden and suddenly a rattling. You could hear the rattling of the bones. And, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Uh, we see a, a very detailed vision of what Ezekiel is seeing here. Bones coming together, not just bones, but everything that, that is attached to the life of a body. Coming together in the form of many bodies. And in verse 9, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. I, I imagine the four directions coming from all around. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. We see life is brought to that which is dead. As Ezekiel is obeying God by prophesying before them, the sinews came upon the bones. They were once again put together in the form of human beings, an exceedingly great army. But though they were brought together, no life was in them until breath was breathed into them. You may have a body, it may have everything that is necessary for life. But until breath is breathed into that body, it can't live. We think of the days of creation. We think of Adam. And when he was formed, God formed him of the dust of the ground. But there was no life in his body until God breathed it into him. So these, these bones, they, they came together with the muscles, the ligaments, everything necessary for life. But there's one thing more that was necessary. The breath of life. And so Ezekiel called from all directions for the breath of life to be breathed into these bones. And one of the greatest illustrations is truly brought to life before us 
when we understand its meaning. Let's look at verses 11 through 14. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Now we turn our attention to Israel and remember that they're in captivity. Remember that there is a sense of hopelessness within them. They have no reason to believe that aside from God's power that they will ever leave the situation that they are in. They are defeated completely. Cut off, wiped out from the face of the earth. The Israel that once was no longer is and never will be in their minds. Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, verse 12, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. As God had given life to the bones that could not live, so God gives hope to a people who had none left. Their current situation, their captivity, would not last. But it would be ended when Israel returned to its own land. The spirit within the people had died. They had no spirit left within them. No, no reason for rejoicing. But here, God says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you. And as God had spoken... So it would be. God was going to give life to an otherwise dead nation. He was going to give life to an otherwise dead people. Even though they were walking and talking, they were dead. They, they had no spirit, no hope left within them. And that's a good correlation to today because there are many today that are walking around it look like they're living but spiritually speaking they're dead there's no hope left within them even though they may not realize they are full of dry dead bones but God was going to bring life to his people he was going to literally return them to their land Last week we studied how God was going to give them a new heart. A heart that was dedicated to Him. A heart that was dedicated to obeying Him. God would bring life to Israel once again. 
This illustration is wonderful news for Israel. But it's not just for Israel. As we noticed in last week's lesson, we can uh, apply that one to today, that, that God will give us a new heart. And today, as we read about Israel, and we read about uh, what has happened to them and their hopelessness, and how God was going to give life to them once again, we understand that this is not just a prophecy for Israel. but This is also a prophecy... For God's people today. One kingdom. One king. One church. When God asks Ezekiel. If the bones can live. Remember what his answer is. Oh Lord God. You know. Oh Lord God. You know. God knows. God knows about our past. God knows about our present. God knows about our future. And as he, he saw the people of Israel, God knew where they had been, where they had come from. He knew what was going on in their lives, even though they thought that He wasn't there. And God knew their future. You see, when we are left in mystery, God is all-knowing. And we should never forget that. Through Ezekiel, we are given hope for God's people to come. Not just Israel, but also spiritual Israel. As we talk about God's people today. The church. Look at Ezekiel 37, beginning with verse 15. Ezekiel 37 and verse 15. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and ride on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and ride on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. And the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Then say to them, verse 21, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. 
We're talking about a people that had been divided for a, a long time. We read in, in the books of, of Kings and Chronicles about the different nations that had been formed. You had the, the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. Uh, beginning after Solomon, you had Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, the son of, of, of Solomon, was ruling in Jerusalem. And he made the burdens of the people hard. And because of that, the people revolted. And so there were ten tribes that, that became northern Israel, the northern kingdom. And they, they had their own king. They, they basically were one nation, and yet they were brothers and sisters of the same kingdom that had been ruled by Saul and David and Solomon. Because of David and because of his faithfulness to God, Rehoboam was allowed to still rule over Judah and Benjamin. And Benjamin became so small that, that a lot of times when we, we read about Judah, it also includes the people of Benjamin. But we have two different kingdoms. Twelve tribes that were divided in two. Ten in the northern kingdom, two in the southern kingdom. And they remained that way for a very long time. Israel, you'll remember, was for the most part unfaithful to God. Judah, on the other hand, was mostly faithful to God with the exception of, uh, of a couple of things. Uh, there were times where they, they held to the high places and the altars and things of that nature. There were some kings that were good, some that were bad, but we have two different nations. Both were brought to the point of being taken captive because of their disobedience to God. But God is going to take what was two nations. What had been divided and as far as the people could see was permanently divided. And God could give life to that nation once again, as one nation. He would bring the two together to form one kingdom. It is likely that, that some from the northern kingdom were brought back to Jerusalem with those that uh, had been of Judah as one people as Israel. So even though the focus of Ezekiel is on the tribe of Judah, we see that, that God can bring them back together and to breathe life, breathe life into a once dead nation. Where once these kingdoms had been divided, there was little left of them to remain independently divided. And so the kingdoms were once again united into one. What follows, however, is not simply a reference to these kingdoms being brought back together in their own land, but also a reference to what is to come in later centuries. I want you to look at, at Ezekiel 37. Let's begin reading at verse 24. Ezekiel 37 and verse 24. David, my servant, shall be king over them. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Now let's get this straight. 
David, had he not been dead for a long time? How is it that David, my servant, shall be king over them? Think about that. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt. And they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Was David to be brought back to life to once again rule over God's people? Is that what God is saying? Or, or maybe even the descendants of David, because often whenever we hear a name, sometimes it's referring to the descendants of that individual. Maybe it's the descendants of David that are going to come back and rule over Israel. The last remaining descendant of David was Coniah, also known as Jeconiah. And it is said of this final descendant, uh, about him reigning, or anyone coming after him, look at what is said in Jeremiah 22. Let's read verses 24 through 30. Jeremiah 22, verses 24 through 30. These are the words of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. And I will give you into the hand of those who seek your life, and into the hand of those whose face you fear the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the hand of the Chaldeans, so I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they desire to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Kaniah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure? Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into a land which they do not know? O oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, listen to verse 30. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless. A man who shall not prosper in his days. For none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. None of his descendants shall prosper. Coniah was the last king that followed in the descendants of David. And it is said of Coniah that none would rule after him. There's another point to be made with the, this passage because there are many people who believe that, that, that an earthly kingdom will be set up at some point. That, that, the, that most of the people will be raptured into heaven. The, the people of God. 
And it's, a, it's another, another study in and of itself. But God never promised to set up an earthly kingdom ever again. And what we do understand is that the earth is going to be destroyed. Read 2 Peter chapter 3. The earth is going to be destroyed completely. There is no earthly reign of anyone of the descendants of David on earth. So who is the David that we're talking about here in Ezekiel 37? It's not going to be David himself. David is not going to be brought back to life to rule over the kingdom of Israel. That's not what is being said here. And it's not going to be Coniah, and it's not going to be any of his descendants because he is, is basically, uh, it's prophesied about him that he would be childless and not one of the descendants of him would prosper on the earth sitting on the throne of David. So that leaves us with the question, is God going to change the course of events as He had been the one to set them? Is He going to change some of the things that that He has already spoken about what is to come for Israel? Remember here that the throne in question is not an earthly throne. But it would be as God says in Ezekiel 37 that a descendant of David would reign over God's people once again. Not David himself, but a descendant of David. Look at Matthew chapter 1, not now but later. And you read through the genealogy of Jesus and you'll find that in that line is Jesse and David and Solomon. The David that is spoken of in Ezekiel 37 is Jesus Christ. And this is not an earthly throne or that would go against the prophecy against Coniah. Write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days. None of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. It's not an earthly kingdom that we're talking about. But a spiritual kingdom. Not an earthly kingdom that God is preparing for, but for the church that stands today and will form the kingdom in eternity. Kingdoms on earth will come and go. Overcoming one another, overpowering one another. Just as you had the great powers of of Persia and Babylon and and we come into uh, the New Testament we read about Rome. Even the greatest kingdoms will be overthrown. And it may even be that the kingdom that, that we are under today, the United States, may be overthrown 
as a great power in the world. Kingdoms will come and go. But God's people, God's people will overcome them all. Even when the earth ceases to exist, we will reign with Him forevermore. Forevermore. Read with me verses 26 through 28 of Ezekiel 37. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Forevermore. The church that we read about today will be the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of eternity. We will reign with God forever over the powers of death, over the powers of sin and temptation. We will be with God forevermore. So Ezekiel 37, there's so much that is packed into one chapter. We have such a great illustration of, of dry bones being brought to life. And we have the reference to, to Judah and to Israel, the two tribes that would be, be brought together once again under the name of God. And we also have prophecy regarding the church that is to come, the church that is to be established, the church that we are a part of today. So much that we can learn. Even when life seems hopeless to you, even when the life that, that you know is dark, whenever there is great mystery, great sorrow, great despair, God can bring life to what is dead. When we think of the world that we live in, there's a lot uh, of that going on. A lot of darkness. A lot of spiritual darkness. People that even though they live, they, they are dead. But God can bring life to hopeless situations. God can bring life to even those who are dead spiritually. Maybe you've not become a Christian. Maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. By faith, also confessing that faith as the eunuch did. Repenting. Being baptized for the remission of sins. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never put on Christ in baptism. And if that is your need, then certainly we want you to respond to that invitation.
The invitation is always open for anyone who is in need of responding. But especially when we come together, we offer the opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. Maybe it is that, that you have become a child of God, but maybe you've wandered away from God, maybe you've not remained faithful to Him, and maybe you need to come back. Remember that God is powerful. God's power is unfathomable to us, but we can't, can't comprehend it. God can do even the most impossible things to man. God can make them happen. You may even be at the, a point in your life where you think that, that you, you've sinned too much and that God couldn't even possibly forgive you. But He can. He did everything to, to put that forgiveness into play. He gave His own Son to be sacrificed as an offering for you. If you come to Him in obedience or repentance or again, whatever need you may have, if you bring it to Him, He can save you in eternity. He can save your soul. He can breathe life into a hopeless situation that, that may be your life. He can give you life once again, if you'll let Him. And we offer you the opportunity to come, if that is your need, as together we stand and as we sing.